listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. So last week, we looked at one of Jesus's foundational parables, all right? And it is foundational. It is foundational to who you are. It's, a very, it's not just a good story. It's a very significant parable about a farmer who sows or plants seed. And the story is found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. But not only Mark chapter 4, it's also found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8. And let me tell you why I'm highlighting that. It's very, very, very important. Whenever you see a principle, a message, or a parable repeated in multiple Gospels, you need to know that is a foundational, significant teaching. Because what that means is multiple disciples felt that it was important, led by the Holy Spirit, to include it in their perspective and their report of what was going on in Jesus' life. This parable is recorded in three of the four Gospels, which means it is very significant. So you need to grab a hold of it. And that's what we're talking about, is this farmer. And I'm focusing on just three aspects. The seed, everybody say the seed. The soil, say the soil. And the roots. And that's where we get our theme uh, series right now, Rooted. We're going to look at the roots at length. We read last week that the seed in the parable represents what? Take a look at this screen. What does it recall? Very good. The seed in this parable Jesus is referring to is the word of God, the Bible, his spoken and written word. And I want to focus on that for a moment. And I want to come back to that. Because this seed, God's word, is not just any ordinary seed. This thing is supernatural. Like I said last week, this is not just a history book. This is not just a collection of moral teachings, religious rituals. The words that are captured here are the words of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit and written down by men so that we could hear from God and be able to be who God's called and created us to be. It contains truth and life. There is life in this seed. And we need to get a hold of that. And the Bible is full of promises for you and I if we'll grab a hold of them. Principles that will lead you and help you to be the fruitful, productive, successful person that God created you to be. You may remember that we read this passage of scripture last week. Take a look at this from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says this, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. God says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God says his word will accomplish. This seed will bear fruit. But now here's the question. And this is what I want to get into tonight and even into next Saturday night. When you look around, there are billions of people in the world that are not experiencing this kind of fruitfulness, these kind of promises coming to pass in their lives, right? There are. I mean, you just look, turn on the news. And sadly, many Christians are in that group that are just bumbling around through life, dealing with 
struggles like everyone else. And they're struggling. And they're not experiencing the fruitfulness. Then why is that? Because you might be thinking to yourself, well, Kelly, if it says it will accomplish it, then why isn't it happening in these lives? Why isn't it happening in my life? Why am I not experiencing the peace that the Bible talks about? The joy that the Bible talks about that I can have? Maybe you might say to yourself, maybe there's something wrong with this thing. Maybe it's broken. Maybe it's broken. Maybe after all these years, it really doesn't work. Maybe you might say to yourself, well, you know, uh, these things, they were good for ancient times. They were good for times when people didn't have the internet. It was, it was good for times when people were a little less sophisticated, a little less advanced, but they're not really relevant. They don't work in modern times. I'm here to disagree with that kind of thinking because the reality is this seed is good. This seed will. Matter of fact, listen what the Bible says about this seed. In the book of Psalm, chapter 119, verse 89, take a look what it says. It says, matter of fact, let's read it together. Ready, begin. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever. Say forever. Forever. Like Sandlot. Forever. Forever it is settled. It is settled. What that means is it is complete. It is done. It will accomplish forever. When God gave us this seed, it was for that generation and the next generation and the next generation and our generation and the future generations. That's what forever means. Future generations. Matter of fact, when he gave this seed, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He knew your struggles. He knew the challenges that it would take to live in the 21st century when we're constantly bombarded with information, information overload, to where stress and anxiety are high, depression is, is rampant. God knew this. And his seed was given so that you could know and be fruitful. So why aren't we seeing that fruitfulness in lives? If that's the case, Pastor Kelly, then why? I'm here to tell you, it's not because of the seed. The seed is okay. The seed is good. In the parable we heard last week, there are other factors that hinder us from being that fruitful person that God has called us to be. And I want to read it again. If you were here last week, you'll appreciate this. If you weren't, you'll definitely appreciate it. Here's the parable. This is when Jesus explains what it means that the sower sowed the seed and it fell on hard soil, it fell on rocky soil, it fell on thorny soil, and it fell on fertile soil. Jesus explains what it means. Take a look. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. By the way, if you ever wondered if Jesus acknowledges that there is a Satan, we see it right here. Jesus names our enemy. He names the adversary of our soul, Satan. Satan comes at once to take it away. Verse 16, the seed on the rocky soil represented those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. 
okay? Verse 17, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no, no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. If you weren't here last week, you missed, out, you missed out on the first part of the parable where Jesus tells this story about a farmer who takes and sows seed or plants seed. And the way they did it back then was they just kind of come out and just start tossing the seed. Some of it fell on the path. Some of it fell into rocky soil. Some of the seed fell into thorny soil and other seed fell into fertile soil. And it talks about what it represented. This is a deep, important principle for all of us to get a hold of. If we want to be the fruitful, productive, successful person that God has called and created you to be, then we got to get a hold of this seed and we got to sow it. But there are factors involved here that keep us. And we can see that there's some conditions that affect the fruitfulness of this seed in your life. It's not the seed, but it's the conditions that the seed is planted in. Matter of fact, the soil in Jesus' teachings is the heart. It's us. It's a heart matter of men and women of humanity. When we see in the parable, there are four soils that we look at. There's the hard soil, that's the path. There's the rocky soil. There's the thorny soil. And there's the fertile soil. Next week, I'm going to get into some of the specifics on each of those soils. But this week, I felt the Lord wanted me to pause at verse 15. Before I go to, are you ready for this? Before I go to deep into the soil, did y'all catch that? Yeah, okay. Before I go too deep into the soil, the Lord wanted me to spend and camp out on verse 15 a little bit. Literally yesterday, I did a little sideways adjustment to this message as I was reviewing my notes and reviewing what the Lord had said. And the Lord, Holy Spirit began to say, no, no, I want you to focus there on 15 a little bit more. Don't, don't go fa too fast past 15 because there are men and women that this is applying to right here and right now. There are young people, there are young adults, there are teenagers that, are, that need to hear this right now. The first thing, that happens when God's word goes out. Verse 15 says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The enemy of every farmer since the beginning of time has been birds. Who does not like birds in here? There's a couple of you in here that go, no, birds. I know my own daughter, Rachel Fellows, cannot stand birds. Does not like birds at all. Probably because when, we when we were growing up, when they were growing up as little children, we went to one of those bird places. What do they call? What is it? An aviary? An, a, an aviary? 
okay, a birdcage, a giant birdcage. And we, you know, we went in there and they gave you this little cup of like sugar water, right? And you walk in and the birds come, so they can drink the water. And I thought it's cool. I'm like, oh, and they're like three or four birds sitting on my hand, drinking out the water. Rachel was like, I don't know, four, five, six years old. I'm like, Rachel, come on in. She goes in there and these birds are dive bombing her. She goes out there screaming, ah! So I think my wife and I are the cause and the reason why Rachel does not like birds to this day. I know. See, not perfect parents. We blow it. <laughs> now my daughter has a phobia of birds. The enemy of every farmer is the birds. If you're a gardener, if you're a landscaper, birds are your enemy. Matter of fact, I know when they have seeded our lawn out here, right? Because literally that next day, the lawn is covered with birds trying to get that seed. And I walk out there, go away, go away, go away, go away, go away, go away. Because I want the seed to get in there and plant some roots and grow grass. As far back as ancient China, I was doing some research, as far back as ancient China and Egypt, there are numerous recorded methods of keeping birds away from planting fields. They have all these interesting methods, uh, putting donkeys and just letting them walk through the, through the fields with these things hanging off of them to scare the birds away. There's some pictures of all sorts of different things that they would do. Actually, one of the most popular thing from, the, from Britain records this in Britain from the year 13 to 1800, children were used to scare the birds. That was their job. They were told to just go walk in the field and swing ropes. And that's what these children would do for hours every day until the seed began to take root. Isn't that sad? But it's a good idea though, isn't it? As soon as the seed was sown, these children would walk the fields, waving their arms, throwing rocks, and swinging around ropes until the seed took root. Isn't that interesting? Until the seed took root, these children would be out there every single day. During the 1800s, here in the United States, U.S. children were used to do the exact same thing. They came from, they came from Europe and said, hey, it worked over there. It's going to work over here, too. So those early young children were there, and actually those, sadly, it was starting to affect um, the birth rate because those children became targets for wolves and bears and cougars and all sorts of wild animals. Yeah. So the farmers were like, well, we want to keep our kids, so we got to come up with a better solution. And the solution was what most of us, many still use today, what do they call them? Scarecrows, that's right. That's where scarecrows, they took the clothes off of the children and they, <laughs> and they stuffed it with straw, put it on a stick and stuck it out in the middle of the fields. The scarecrow was born. Wouldn't you agree with me? If, if you had an issue with an oak tree, wouldn't it be easier to pull the acorn out of the ground before it became an oak tree if you didn't want an oak tree there? Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense that it would be easier to remove an oak tree when it was simply an acorn than when it had taken root and become a deep-rooted tree. Satan knows that. He knows that if God's word gets into your heart and sinks deep roots into your soul and begins to produce fruit, it's going to be hard to get it out of you. And then you become a force to be reckoned with. So what does he do? He comes in right away. The Bible says suddenly 
he comes in to steal it, immediately to steal it away. If he can steal it away early, then you will never become the person God has created and called you to be. Oh yeah, you said yes to Jesus and your salvation is set, but you're not experiencing the abundant life Jesus Christ came to give you. See, the Bible says this, Jesus came, matter of fact, he says this out of his own mouth. He says, I have come that they would have life and life abundantly. Do you you see there's there's almost a difference there? There's life and there's life abundantly. There's the life that Jesus came to give us, our eternal life, and the abundant life that he wants us to experience here on earth. Joy, peace, filled. But we lose that. We struggle with that. And because I believe it starts with Satan wanting to come and take it away before it ever takes root in your heart. As soon as the word is sown, like birds swooping in, Satan comes to steal it away before it can take root. Because he knows if it takes root, it's going to be harder to get out of you. It's going to be harder to get out of you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, like a thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the tactic of the enemy. And we see him at work today. Jesus acknowledges the presence and the work of Satan in this world. Now, I know some of you kind of thinking, because some of you are literal, and I've raised children, so I've learned that I have to explain myself. Some of you might be imagining a guy with horns and a pitchfork and a long tail coming and stealing your Bible in the middle of the night out of your house. And I know that that's the literal interpretation of what I'm saying here, that Satan comes to steal it right away. That's not exactly what the scripture is talking about here. But that actually is the case in some places in the world, even today. For centuries, wickedness has worked to destroy this, to keep this from getting into the hands of men and women and boys and girls. The wicked forces that are at work today have been looking to do that. Matter of fact, even now, in places in the Middle East, to even have one of these is prosecutable by imprisonment and potentially death. Today, in the world, there are forces that are working to destroy this literal written word of God. Now, here in the United States, thank you, Jesus, we don't have that fear. Nobody's going to come and take your Bible here in the United States. Legally, they can't do that. But Satan's at work, literally trying to keep it from getting into your heart. The moment you leave here on Saturday night, the moment you leave here tonight, Satan has already got his his demons and wicked forces going, okay, how can we get that out of their heart? We don't want that to sink in. We don't want that to take root. We don't want it to grow. We don't want it to produce fruit. So how can we get it out of there? I know you might say, Pastor Kelly, that sounds weird. It does, I know. It's crazy. But listen, Ephesians chapter six says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of this dark age. That's what the Bible says. In the New Living Translation, it says that those principalities are called wicked spirits in heavenly realms. We are in a battle. And it takes place in your mind and your heart. How does that practically work, Pastor Kelly? What are you talking about? Okay, I get that that in the Middle East, they don't want you to have this physical word. But what about me? How does that work here today? Let me give you an example. Saturday night, we come in here. We hear the word of God. Matter of fact, I'll give you a very specific example. 
maybe you're here on a Saturday night, and um, whether you're serving in the sound or whether you're shooting video or you're in hospitality or you're sitting here and just enjoying the, the worship or whatever, you hear God speak through the teaching that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you hear, you hear me bring up a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And you hear that and something quickly stirs and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you that what you experienced in the past, you're not gonna experience because I'm doing something new. See, that's the word of God. And it wants to take root so that you can be who God's called you and created you to be. But you leave here and you go get in your car and suddenly you get a phone call. You get a phone call from a family member. Family member that you and her have not really gotten along very, very well. And she calls you just to kind of let you know how you screwed up and you messed it up with her husband. And now, and now he's mad at her. And, 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 and she starts rattling off these things and the way you were in the past and how, how you're such a blow and how you're such a loser and you're never going to amount to much. That's Satan at work, people. That's not a coincidence that that phone call would come right when you hear God saying, I want to do something new in you. I'm doing something new. The past is gone. And what happens? You immediately hear, you're a loser. Your past is who you are. You see him at work? It happens all the time. He's out to steal the seed. Here's another example. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm going to start reading the Bible. And you read the Bible and you start reading it every morning. And you come to a passage there in Matthew chapter, chapter 44. Chapter 5, verse 44. And you read this. This is your morning devotions. You're sowing the word of God into your heart. And you read. Love, Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, God, that's how I want to be today. You go to work, and as soon as you walk in the door, your boss heaps a bunch of responsibilities on you on top of all your other responsibilities. Doesn't he know how much work I'm doing here? You know, he's putting more responsibilities for me, and then a few minutes later, about an hour or so later, you find out that one of your coworkers is taking credit for work that you've done and getting rewarded for the work that you've done. At the end of the day, now you're frustrated. At the end of the day, you go outside and you see your car, your car has been towed because the company changed the time allotment for parking in that particular area that you're used to parking in, and now your, tar, your car got towed. That seed that was sown into your heart is now gone because all you want to do is cuss out your boss, cuss out the, the job, the work associate, cuss out the tow truck driver, cuss out the old lady walking down the street, kick the cat that just walked by. See, the seed's gone. Situations and circumstances have caused that seed to not take root. Coincidence? No. Stealing? Yes. Listen, God wants to see you be that fruitful, productive, successful person he's created you to be. And we gotta sow this seed into us and you gotta hold on to it. No matter what the situation and circumstances look like, 
You say, I'm going to hold on to this seed so that it can take root and bear fruit. I want peace. I want joy. I want confidence. I don't want to walk around insecure anymore. I want to, I want to have a vision of who God sees me as. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh no, you're a loser. If everybody knew what you did in the past, if the kind of things that you struggle with, no, 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 no. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for Jesus who covers me with your blood. You've redeemed me from my past. So you grab a hold of that seed and you hold on to it and you hold on to it until it takes root and begins to grow and produce fruit so that when you do face those challenges down the road, you can face them and go, that's okay, that's okay. My God is greater. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. These things that I'm about to face right now, that's okay, that's okay. God says he will provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I got laid off, that's okay. God says he'll provide for me and he'll provide the right job at the right time. I just continue to be faithful. Sounds like crazy talk? No, that seed that's been planted, it's taken root and it's producing fruit. Don't let Satan steal your seed. Don't let Satan steal your seed. Why, Pastor Kelly, do you get so passionate on Saturday nights about people coming regularly on Saturday nights? It's not because I'm trying to fill up the room so that we have more butts in the chairs, which means more bucks in our bank account. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to see seed planted into your heart and producing fruit in your life, in your marriage, in your careers, in your relationships, in your health and in your body. This isn't just playing church. This is seeing you be transformation taking place and seeing you be who God's created you to be. Seeing our children raised in God's ways, pouring that seed into their hearts from the time they're little babies in our nursery right now. By the way, our nursery is busting at the seams tonight. Isn't that awesome? Little side note, those little babies are getting to hear the word of God. Leah tonight said, I gotta be in there, Kelly. She's speaking the word of God. She's planting seed in your baby's hearts right now. Isn't that good? But listen, there is an enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to take the seed before it takes root in your heart. I'm acknowledging that tonight. James, come on up here, bro. And how do we do it? How do we battle against him? It's very simple. My father-in-law mentioned it uh, when we had our, our breakfast for dinner night. Meditating on God's word daily. The Bible says in Psalm chapter one, I, I, I started this series with this chapter. It says, how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, here it is, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And if so, then he will be like a tree firmly planted by a river of water, yielding its fruit in its season, whose leaf doesn't wither, and whatsoever he does prospers. Take God's word and meditate on it day and night. Now, some of you go, I don't know how to meditate. My father-in-law said this, Are you a have you, do you worry? Then you know how to meditate. That's what he said. It's true. Because worrying is meditation. It's meditating on the wrong things. It's meditating on what might happen if this and that. And I am guilty of that. I admit it. 
I wake up at four o'clock every stinking morning and I lay in bed. And I'm like, okay, it's time to go back to sleep, time to go back to sleep, time to go back to sleep. Hey, wait a minute, I hear the wind blowing. I hope it doesn't blow down our fences at our church. Oh no, if the fences blow down, oh no, then the people come in the yard and now the city's gonna find us and now we're gonna be broke as a church and now we're gonna be destitute, we're gonna be on the streets. Anybody ever gone down those roads? You know what I'm talking about? That's meditation, but on the wrong way. That's producing the, that's producing the fruit of fear. That's producing the fruit of doubt. The Bible says, how do you want to produce this fruit? Meditate on this day and night and begin to replace those worrying thoughts with the promises and the truth of God's word. That's why we say get into God's word every single day. Then it has a chance to take root. My, my friend, my dear friend of many, many years and pastor of the rock in Anaheim, Jerry Dearman. And he says this publicly. He said for many years, he struggled with pornography. Like so many, many people do. And he struggled and he confesses sin and he would go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be set free. And he'd stumble into it again. And the Lord began to show him something and say, Jerry, you're looking at yourself the wrong way. I want you to start looking at yourself the way I see you. And he took Pastor Jerry to a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, verse 12. There's a one and a two. I always back, mix them up. It says this, For God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And Jerry tells this story. He was working at Stater Brothers, and he's stocking these shelves at Stater Brothers. And that passage of Scripture came up, and he heard the Lord say, the Word of God, I love you, and you are my righteousness. And he said what he started to do, he started saying this verse over and over and over and over and over again. And he began to meditate on it. He said he would go to work at Stater Brothers in the middle of the night, stocking the shelves. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for me, that I would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he would say it over and over and over again. And then he said, and there came a time when he started to go for the pornography magazine. And that word, boom, came back and said, I'm the righteousness of God. He pulled his hand away. I'm the righteousness of God. I don't need that. I'm the righteousness of God. Fruit had begun to happen in his life. He began to set, become set free. See, this isn't just some weird seance -y kind of thing. It's the living word of God and it will produce fruit in our lives if we'll meditate on it, take a hold of it. And as you begin to meditate on it, you begin to believe it. You begin to live it. And you'll see the fruit coming past in your life, in your relationships, and in your family. But it starts with the seed. And it starts with getting it in there and holding on to it. Tonight, I want to acknowledge something. Pastor Gil, would you mind? And uh, Eric and Angie, would you guys go ahead and move to your spots, please, tonight for prayer? I want to acknowledge that there is an enemy, just like Jesus did, 
and he's out to steal your seed. I want to take some time to pray. I've asked our, our prayer, some of our prayer people, um, on, on Saturday nights, we're going to start having them available more often, more regularly, so that if you need prayer, whatever the situation and circumstance is, you can have somebody stand with you and pray with you. Maybe you just need to come to this couple and say, hey, I love what Pastor Kelly said. I love what the word said. Would you just agree with me that that seed takes root in my heart? Maybe you're struggling. Maybe Satan is continuing to hound you and rip you off. We need to break the hold of Satan's hold right on you right now in Jesus' name. And I want us to pray. I want to take authority in the name of Jesus Christ over the tactics and the schemes of Satan. I'm not in this for some sort of popularity thing. I want to see transformation happen in your heart and in your life. I want to see you be who God's created you to be. I want to see you be a fruitful tree bearing fruit in Jesus' name. Tonight, I want to acknowledge that there's an enemy who doesn't want you to be fruitful and productive. But God does. And he sent his word to see that happen in your life. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.